0: Hey, I'm Jamie Glowacki, and you are listening to Oh Crap, I Love My Toddler, but holy fuck. This is a podcast for conscious parents who drop the F-bomb a lot. Hey, hey, welcome, welcome. Hey, if you're enjoying this podcast, show me some love, please, in the reviews and the star system. This helps the podcast in rankings, which helps more mamas and papas see this and receive all my goodness. Thank you. So, hey, you guys, before we start off today, I want to say a few things. Number one, folks are writing in and emailing me and asking me to expand on ideas that I've presented in this podcast, particularly earlier uh, podcasts with like boundaries, stepping outside the time out thing for consequences, So this podcast is really, you know, broad strokes for my book, and I guess I'm doing a pretty crappy job of self-promotion because people listening don't even know that I have a book. (laughs) I have two. I have Oh Crap Potty Training and Oh Crap I Have a Toddler Tackling These Awesome Years Without Time Outs. Again, I, I must be doing a bad job because people don't even know. But if you are looking for expansion on a lot of the ideas I'm presenting in this podcast, they are in the book. Yeah. And it, this isn't just like a, a cheesy sales thing. It's I can't actually if I expand on all the ideas, I'm going to have like hours and hour long podcasts and you're a busy parent and you won't have time to listen and it will be a bust. <laughs> so today I do want to talk about transitions, both big and little transitions. But before I dive into that, I have a quick tangent since i just said the title of my book it reminded me of an email i recently received a mama wrote in to me that she's loving my book she's loving the podcast but that my titles actually say toddler and really i talk more about the preschool age and do i have any ideas for the actual toddler age which is more like 12 to 24 months so yes toddler is in my titles and I do speak more about the preschooler age. So this was kind of an argument with Simon and Schuster <laughs> and the powers that be, because I really wanted, I didn't like preschooler, but I really wanted like that three nager concept because of so much that's happening in this age range is so similar to the teenage mind and the teenage development. So I really, really wanted that. Uh, it turns out that preschooler, the market is like flooded with those titles. So Simon and Schuster really insisted on toddler. It was a, it was an argument. I wouldn't say it was a big fight, but I didn't want to hold off the publication of the book because I do know some people who have fought over their title. And the publication has been held off for years and years and years. And I figured that at least this would be in your hands. You know, if you pick this up thinking it's for toddlers, at least it would be in your hands earlier. Right. The reality is with the toddler age, that 12 to 24 months is, oh my God, the reality is there's not much I can offer you. In fact, it's the years you don't, it's not the years, it's the months you don't sit down. I call it like that active suicide with kids. It's like they'll walk right off a cliff without even knowing it, right? You're just chasing your child. You're barely hanging on as a parent, you're drowning. They're not speaking yet. They're kind of screaming for things It's a massive physical development time. There's not a whole lot happening, like brain development, not like between two and three and three and four. Anyway, there there is, of course, a lot happening brain development, but it's more that physical. It's like the learning how to walk, learning how to stay upright, learning how to eat, learning how to be without mom all the time. It's those kinds of things, yeah? The thing for parenting in the 12 to 24, that true toddler is, it's really just about boundaries, rhythm and routine, creating that safety, creating that emotional, emotional swaddling. I talk about in the boundaries episode, right? Your entire relationship is about bonding in this physical sense and creating this safety within the child's life. It's providing the structure and the foundation for the upcoming years. Yeah. It's not about, there's not much you can do for your relationship at this point in time. There's, it doesn't exist yet, right? The the relationship is really about this, this bonding and this safety. You really just want to follow your little one's lead at this point. I want you to be more concerned with regular mealtimes, plenty of sleep, read to them, sing to them. And again, provide that emotional swaddling that we've talked about. For me, my book and this podcast and and the exciting part really comes to the, the difference In the years between two and three years old and bridging that, what was learning and cute at two might suddenly turn into limit testing and acting out in the year between two and three. And that's when our parenting really takes a shift into a more conscious way of raising our kids. So I just I wanted to say that in case you had the same thought, because I had the same thought (laughs) when I was writing the book and putting, you know, putting toddler in in the title of things. So, yeah, there it's just really it's hang in there, hang in there for those for those months. Um, oh God, 16 to 18 months is particularly frustrating, I think, because they don't have all that language. So it's like point and ah, scream and and run. And it's really um, for me, it's just hang in there and survive and keep the kids alive. That's the that's the true toddler 12 to 24 months for me. All right. Let's move on to transitions, though. There are a couple of kinds of transitions to discuss, right? We have daily transitions, which is like, you know, moving from thing to thing, right? We have big milestone-y transitions, which is, you know, going to preschool or daycare for the first time, body training, those kinds of things, right? Big milestone-y ones. We have big life transitions, which include big moves, divorces, if you are suddenly under financial strain, Those can be your big life transitions. And then we have a subcategory of military, military families who have to transition with deployment of either parent. And so those can be enormous transitions as well. Now, I've covered daily transitions here before, particularly in the time management episode. I think the biggest thing to remember is that toddler time is very slow. Time for, you know, that toddler age, but also three, four, five, six. It's just slower than any of us are really used to. We are generally speaking moving way too fast from thing to thing with our little ones, right? We expect them to be able to pick up on a dime and move to the next thing. And this often causes major meltdowns. If you feel like your child is having more upsets than normal or way more than other kids, I want you to check in and look for patterns. Is it always during a transition? Are these meltdowns, are these huge upsets always seem to be when you're leaving an activity, either in or out of the house? Is it always when you get somewhere that things are difficult, like your child just can't move forward? They, they're shy. They can't blend in with the other kids. They, they're they just really having a meltdown when they get somewhere. So I'm a huge fan of whiteboards, as I've discussed before, right? Whiteboards can be phenomenally helpful for in-home transitions, like going from breakfast to brushing teeth to getting dressed, right? If you lay out a list on a whiteboard, kids love erasing or crossing them off. They love seeing a visual for what they've accomplished. This also helps you, the parent, stay on task. It also eliminates nagging. You can say, go to your list. I realize probably you're two and a half, to three and a half, to four and a half year old isn't reading, but you'd be surprised they can memorize so quickly. We know that, right? They memorize books. So you can say, you know, go to your board. What else do you need to do? So that way the onus is off of, hey, listen to mom nagging. You know, daddy's gonna say this one more time, right? We have this, this other we can put the onus on the whiteboard, go to your board. We may not May, I'm, I'm 99.9% sure that we have to slow down a little more. We have to slow things down and we have to build in more time for leaving the house or leaving the activity. It, it really is like uh, stretching out time. I think of it as like making, making certain time like taffy. Yeah. And if your child is melting down at these transition times, it's absolutely a matter of slowing it down, giving plenty of warning. So you may be doing a five minute warning. You may need to do a half hour warning, and really get them get them slowed down and acclimated to the fact that we're moving on to something else. I've also talked before in the past about closing out activities. You know, can I? Can we put your dolly to bed? Can we put the the cars in the garage? Can we put the trains in the roundhouse? So you you end the activity with your child, right? This may mean slowing down your life in general. And and I realize, you know, a lot of times, you know, both parents are working. There's an enormous like clusterfuck in the morning getting out of the house and also when you get home in the evening. So those two big transitions really see if you can build in more time. If you're a stay at home parent. You may just have to slow down your activities. Yeah, I find that kids, even at this young age, are just so super scheduled. It's really, really hard for your little one to go from activity to activity, yeah? So my rule of thumb is really one big outing, big play, and then maybe something big at home. So, you know, if your child has like, A swim class, that may be your big morning activity. Yeah, it shouldn't be swim class, music class, and then go to the park. That's like frantic. And if your child is melting down, that's probably one of the reasons. And then something big in the afternoon, like baking, painting, a a, a bigger project at home. And then leave lots of chill time so that you can read, so you can focus on independent play. I just worked with a client um, yesterday. It was amazing. We were on a video call and she has a two- just turned two year old and she was like, go play. And this little kid, this little two year old actually went and played. And I was like, wow, good for you, man. That go play. We want to foster that. You know, uh, I think we have this notion right now that, that go play is, is that sort of, I don't know, neglectful or, or I don't know what I think people have a judgment about it, but you, you definitely want to start fostering that independent play, and that can only happen when you have plenty of chill time. If you have a half hour at home, you can't be like, all right, hurry up, relax, <laughs> right? If you find that you're running from activity to activity and your child is falling out all the time, it's time to scale back. Listen to me, though. You don't have to fix what's not broke, and I constantly find that people are trying to fix what's not broke, and I even find it in clients who have listened to my podcast and um It's funny because this very same client said, oh, I just listened to your podcast about expectations and I shouldn't expect my two-year-old to just go play. And I was like, yeah, but your two-year-old is doing it. So rock on, don't, if I say something and it's not what pertains to your kid, then don't listen to me, man. (laughs) Don't fix what's not broken. If your little one does just fine and you're not seeing any behavioral things, that's cool too. I do think that we all need to be cautious about not creating an overly busy mindset in our general parenting, because I also work with people whose kids are um, it leads them to be. What do I want to say? Uh, oh, What's the next thing? They're not even present in the moment. They're like, what's the next thing? What are we doing? What are we doing? They can't stay home. They can't chill out. They're always wanting something structured. And so that's not good either. So just, you know, make sure that you're factoring in some chill time at home. And I find even with myself is I actually have to put that on the schedule. And I know that's, I feel like that's a really sad <laughs> marker of our general society and our general mindset, but I have to like carve out that time because otherwise I'll fill it. So let's move on to milestone transitions. Particularly, I want to talk about preschool and kindergarten since we are in September. And that is probably what's happening for most people. So this applies to preschool, daycare, And kindergarten, anytime your child's going to a big transition away from you. And I particularly wanted to talk about transitional objects. These are your best friends. So transitional objects, this is a psychology term. It's used for literally the objects that help with transitions. So the blankie, the bear, the guy, the doll, the car, anything your child has to bring with them From home to the car to the next thing, right? And we're all familiar with this. No, no, no. I need my guy. I need to take my guy with me. I need, I need this, right? Our kids are always grabbing shit as you're running out the door. Literally, this is a piece of home to help your child with this transition. Right. And so they're little and they want a piece of home. And it's pretty natural for kids to automatically just do that. Like we don't have to we don't have to be like, would you like a transitional object to take in the car with you to make this transition easier? No, they usually do that. No, no, no. I need my I need my guy. I need my doll. Right. I remember as a side note, I remember when we um, we traveled to Bali when Pascal was eight. And of course, Bali is literally halfway across the world. I had an entire suitcase that was filled with stuff from home, right? The longer the distance, the more transitional objects the kid's gonna need. He needed like all his guys. We were gone for like 17 days, you guys. It wasn't even like, <laughs> it wasn't even like a move or anything. But he needed all his guys. He needed uh, just so much stuff that I literally had another suitcase full of his crap. Now, of course, now that he's 13, I could literally travel all around the world making sure we just have chargers for his phone and that would be fine. <laughs> so it, it's not forever, these transitional objects. Now, of course, if you're going to preschool or kindergarten, they're not going to allow your child to take, you know, their big, their big, um, bear or a blanket or things like that. So you can use little transitional objects. Here's the big trick. They not only come from home, but they can be filled with your love. Right. And so I used when Pascal went to preschool, I used a heart shaped uh, quartz crystal. It was pretty small and it fit in his pocket and he just happened to have pockets every day. You can use uh, bracelets. You can use like those silicone rings they have. They also have those silicone bracelets. Um, you know, for, for events, I don't know. I'm thinking of the live strong one, but they have them for, you know, breast cancer events and those kinds of things. You could use one of those. You could make one with your child that's out of beads. Regular rocks can fit in pockets or lunch boxes and you literally fill it with love, right? You, so you put it, put it with, you know, mama love or daddy love and you fill it, fill it, fill it. And then the child has this object that they can take with them. The thing I love about this kind of transitional object is that it becomes an awesome barometer for how your child's day went. Like your your kid will come home and say, "Oh my god, my my rock is empty. It's just so empty." And then you avoid the like, "How was your day?" You guys, "How was your day?" is never going to yield you any constructive conversation about how their day was, whether your child's three, thirteen, or twenty one. "How was your day?" doesn't cut it, right? But if your child says that their rock is empty, you know that they had sort of a rough day. So you can provide a little more love and snuggles than may be necessary. Then sometimes your kid will fly through the door and they'll be like, hey, um, oh, oh, I forgot about my rock or no, it's still full. You don't need to fill it. And then, you know, they had sort of an awesome day where they didn't really need that piece of home to go with them. So let's move on to big transitions, and those include moving, divorce, and if you're sort of under uh, financial strains, one uh, one parent maybe got laid off, those kinds of things. I am a huge fan, even with little, little kids, of discussing the elephant in the room, okay? And so, of course, we always want to bear in mind their age and what they can handle, but we want to acknowledge, we always want to acknowledge that there's a feeling in the house. There's a vibe in the house without necessarily creating worry in the kids. So, you know, for example, if you are suddenly under financial strain, you definitely want to talk about the fact that mommy and daddy are a little bit stressed right now. And, and so if we're short with you, you know, I, I'm sorry. We want to absolutely acknowledge that there's a feeling in the house, but we don't want to say, you know, like, Oh, we're really concerned that we might lose the house. <laughs> of course, that's that's not a worry that your your child needs at any age. But you definitely, the, the elephant in the room is the feeling, okay? Years ago, I worked with a client. They were moving and they decided that they didn't really know how to talk to their child about it. So they kept her room. Her room was completely intact and the rest of the house was in boxes And when they first our first meeting, they were like, well, we don't we don't want to concern her. So her room is fine. The rest of the house, we're kind of moving and it's, you know, all boxed up and everything. But she doesn't know we're moving. And I was (laughs) we had to work through that because I was a little flabbergasted. Like, of course, she knows you're moving. The kitchen is in boxes. Even if you're unsure about how to talk about something, I always say air on the side of talking about it rather than ignoring it. I'd rather you say too much because that can be sort of backtracked than not say anything at all. Your child is feeling the things. Your child is feeling the stress. Your child's certainly seeing the boxes in the house and they are making up a story in their head. So if you're not talking about it, they're still talking about it in their head. It's not like they haven't noticed that something's happening, right? And then remember that your child... It's not only the feeling in the household, your child at this age from definitely zero to six, possibly even up until 10, they don't give a rat's ass about what's happening. You guys, they don't care about the broader scope. They care about how it affects them. They are ultimately very self-centered at this age. So it's really about how what's going on and how is it going to affect me? that's the issue you have to address. So you're moving, you got all the boxes. Hey, we're moving to a new house. They don't care about any of the other details usually, except how am I... How am I going to be affected? Am I still going to be safe? Are you still going to love me? At this age, their friends are come and go. They, they make friends at the park and they don't even know the kids' names, right? So it's not, they're not worried about like, I'll have new friends. That's not the issue. It's, am I going to be safe? And are you going to love me? And it, are things going to be the same? You know? And so that's the thing that you have to remember. This goes for like divorce and separation too. And, I just want to put this out in the universe because I feel like it's not said enough. I work with all kinds of families and there are all kinds of situations happening. There are divorces where the parents live in the same house and see other people. There are um, marriages that have kind of gone into a platonic thing and the parents are seeing other people. There's really all kinds of situations out there. And so I just I want to put that out there because I feel like far too many people think there's just a, a standard marriage situation or or not. Um, there was recently I just saw an article that's circulating about. More and more parents are sleeping in separate beds because sleep patterns are so different and that that happens a lot more than we would think. So just know that if you're going through something that seems out of the box, it's it's probably more normal than you would think. (laughs) So I just want to put that out there because I I work with clients and they're like, oh, my God, I have like the the most bizarre situation. I'm like, no, not really. I have five other clients going through the same thing. So divorce and separation, again, Kids are really resilient. So if you're doing a divorce, you know, if you're going through a divorce and it is going to be sort of the classic divorce where somebody moves out of the house and there's going to be, you know, visitation and, and, and shared joint custody. Again, the key with this transition is the kids care about their status quo. OK, they are really more resilient. I've had kids like hear about a divorce and like, OK, wait, wh- when am I seeing daddy? That's all they care about. Right. It's not. They, they don't care about the complexity of the emotions behind it at this age. They really don't. Definitely when they're older, they care about that. But not right now. They just want to know, you know, what are we doing in the morning when we usually have pancakes? Who's in charge of that? Yeah, we tend to add more complex emotions to what's happening than they're really ready for. Now, of course, if huge things are going to change, you want to lay that out as much as possible. If one parent's leaving the state and there's going to be, you know, a plane trip to see the parent, definitely we have to lay out the the details. But again, it's really about acknowledging the feeling in the room and it's acknowledging that the child is going to stay at their status quo, how it's going to affect the child's well-being. Yeah. Always, always, always it's about the feeling underneath. And so if you are going through a separation, I have over the years, I've worked with enough families to know, you know what really messes up a kid? When there's like, when you try to absolutely hide it, because the kid is feeling it. If you guys are arguing all the time, the kid is feeling it. Yeah. You can't just hide that. You know, if you, if it's a totally amicable arrangement, that's awesome. And I think it goes without saying, you guys, you got to curb the nastiness. The nastiness is, is really what screws up a kid is, you know, trying to make them choose sides arguing through the children, that kind of stuff, you just, you have to stop it. I saw this, um there's, you know, all these kind of amazing things you see on social media. And when is this dad, you know, they got a divorce and on the mom's birthday goes to the mom's house, gets her flowers, gets her gifts because his kids are watching and he has boys and his boys are watching how he treats their mom. And so that's, you know, to me, that always makes me uh, sort of tear up because that's so True, right? So your kids are watching. So don't, you know, cut the nastiness. I know I'm probably preaching to the choir and saying stuff you already know. (laughs) So, but let's move on. Military, military moms. I've had quite a few mamas reach out to me that are military moms and they are dealing with a first time deployment and their child's young and they're seeing regression. They're seeing acting out. And they asked me for tips on that. I, in turn, had to reach out to my military mom friends because I'm not a military mom friend. And I feel like this is a, a huge a portion of the population that I don't want to say something cliche. You know, yes, transitional objects. Yes, Skype and FaceTime with the parent who is being deployed. But I feel like those are, you know, those are just sort of lame things to give a military mom. So I reached out, I have quite a few military mom friends and I reached out and here was the consensus if you are dealing with a first time deployment. These transitions deployment sucks and they are just a part of military life. Without a doubt the biggest biggest thing everybody said was find other military moms and families, find the forums find the groups, reach out to them because these moms are going through the same exact thing. You are not alone no matter what you're going through. Each service, each branch of service has their own version of family resources. One of my friends um, is husbands in the Navy and it's called the Fleet and Family Support Center. So find your service uh, resource. uh, This mom said that she just found this resource to be Absolutely invaluable when, um, out of the ordinary things happen. The general consensus was babies under the age of two will just be fine. They, they sort of just, the deployment doesn't affect them. Any kid over two is going to definitely have regressions and outbursts. So just know that there's, there's really almost nothing you can do at that age, but ride it out. It's, it's, it's just really hard. It's really confusing for the child. I'm sure you're saying all the right things you know, largely I'm dealing with moms whose husbands are being deployed. So, you know, daddy's daddy will be home shortly. They mark off the calendar, these kinds of things. But there is a huge, you just kind of have to wait it out. One mom told me that at five years old, uh, it hit her son so hard that there was like all kinds of acting out really, really aggressive and that they went for awesome counseling at their support resource center and that it really, really helped. But by far, it's find find the other military moms and i have to say i am my military mom friends are so they're so amazing i watch them on facebook and it's crazy because you know they they have to move every 3 years as well and i see these moms like freaking dig in like they move i have this one friend she moved to japan like a week later she's posting the most incredible pictures and you know i can she's made friends with the other military moms and she's she's literally living her best life like as soon as she hits the ground so i just i give you all the credit in the world if you're a military mom i know you're dealing with so much but um but i'm seeing i get sort of jealous i'm like holy crap you guys you guys know how to just like land with your feet on the ground running it's crazy so find those other military moms because they're they're an awesome resource. A, a funny story is when Oh Crap Potty Training first, when I first wrote the book, it was a PDF off my website. And, you know, you can see all your data on online. And one of the most amazing things is I started seeing, like, my book selling all across the globe. And I could not figure it out. I was like, how am I selling books in, like... Istanbul. And I don't know, it was so weird to me. And then I realized it was the military moms forums. The word was getting out on their, their forums. And I thought, Jesus, these people are faster than the internet. They're the, it was like lightning fast, the connections. So you definitely want to hook up with those moms. I hope that helps. Uh, another thing that one friend said is be very clear when you are talking. This is for the military moms. Be very clear when you're talking to friends Actually, this goes for any mom, any person, really. (laughs) Be very, very clear when you just need to vent or when you need help fixing things. And I think that's that's really sage advice. I tend to be a fixer. And of course, if you've hired me, I am (laughs) going to try to fix things. But I tend to be a fixer in real life, too. And so it was a great thing for me to hear. But I think it's also really important for all of us to hear is like, can I just vent? And to have that boundary with our friends when we just need to cry it out, when we just need to say something, yeah, and not get the fix-it advice. Okay, I'm going to close out for today. I hope that was all very helpful. As always, rock on. I do have um, some spots available for parent coaching and potty training coaching. If you need any help, please go to jamieglowacki.com. Other than that, I hope you guys have an awesome day and uh, rock on. All right. I'm going to sign off for today. You can always go to jamieblowacky.com for the super cool latest updates, including the launch of my new book, yummy new book presale treats, when we release new episodes, and how to work with me directly. And, of course, if you need any potty training help, there's a handy link there that will take you to all my potty training resources, including all my courses. That's the Oh Crap Potty Training online course, my pooping solutions course, and my night training supplement. And if you need additional help, how to book with a certified O-Craft consultant. That's all at jamieglowacki.com. Have a beautiful day and rock on.